0: Hey everybody! This is the open to the podcast, and Brendan has just informed me
1: he is a fan of Sunny D orange juice. I am. It's it's a little easier drinking than orange juice. Orange juice can be a little too tart for me sometimes, and almost like it feels like you're just getting like sores on your tongue when you're drinking it. Sometimes. I don't even think you can call Sunny D mm-hmm. orange juice. Well, maybe that's why it's better. You like YooHoo too? I do like YooHoo. Oh, terrible YooHoo is choice. great. Yeah, what's wrong with you? Just a bad imposter of chocolate milk. Well, it's an imposter for sh- for sure, but I don't know about bad.
0: Well, guys, welcome to the TfL Classics Podcast, the show where we talk about everything food-related and sometimes classic cars. And um, this podcast, by the way, slots in between your regularly scheduled new car and truck podcast. So if you want a break from the new cars and trucks, Brendan and I come on the Classics Podcast and talk about everything old and everything food-related, including his terrible taste in Sunny D.
1: Well, at least I'm not spoon-feeding myself mayonnaise. (laughs) Hey,
0: that was last week's show. It's just one spoon of mayonnaise for the record. Now, Brendan put together a cool list today. What are we talking about?
1: Yeah, today we are talking about truck or, as you mentioned earlier, truck-adjacent vehicles that uh, have a bed, but also we're not just talking about some plain Jane trucks. We're talking about fast trucks, trucks that'll really get your 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 tingliness going and get your excitement flowing. That was a terrible way to say it. Yeah, that was. I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> so I kind of lost it.
0: <laughs> we'll talk about uh, how to how to get you all tingly in this show today with some <laughs> affordable and some not so affordable trucks, and I'll even throw in some SUVs there to spice up the conversation a little bit. But number ten, a truck not a lot of people think about when they think about performance,
1: a Nissan truck. Yeah, and we're talking about the. Nissan Hardbody. No, I'm kidding. The the Nissan Frontier, which replaced the Nissan Hardbody. And this actually, you could order it with a supercharger on it that made it pretty quick. A sad replacement to the (laughs) Hardbody, we must add, but actually a really cool truck. (laughs) Um,
0: If you're new to the podcast, Brendan and I have to mention the Hardbody at least once every show because it is the best vehicle known to man, to woman, to anyone on planet Earth. But these supercharged frontiers were really cool. So it's based on the first gen of the trucks known as the Frontier, the D22s, uh, built from 98 through 04 in this generation.
1: But the supercharger was a little delayed. Yeah, so that came in 2001. And so you had this 3.3 liter V6 that came in a lot of the frontiers, right? Well, when they slapped a supercharger on it, it bumped the power up to, well, from 170 horsepower all the way up to 210 horsepower and from 200 pound-feet of torque to 246 pound-feet of torque.
0: And you got to consider that was really good power back in 2001. Yeah. I actually just spoke to the development engineer behind the development of that truck. Really? Yep. Yesterday, actually. I was just talking to
1: him. Yeah. Did you talk to him about this truck? Yes. Oh my gosh. Really? What did he he say? Yeah. He
0: says he remembers the project proposal and... um, they just had a supercharger laying around, and they slapped it on the, the current engine, and they weren't sure if it was going to blow up. They weren't sure if it was going to sell. They weren't sure if it was going to work. But he uh, he and his team developed the, the powertrain on this truck into what it became, which was over 200 horsepower with a Roots-type supercharger. Five-speed manual, as you mentioned. It was available on Desert Runner King Cab and Crew Cab models.
1: Yeah, and the Desert Runner, I thought, was such a cool-sounding name until I actually looked up an image of it, and it's kind of looking honestly it's just like a two-door you know it looks like every other frontier on the road but they called it the desert runner <laughs>
0: <laughs> um now the supercharged frontiers are interesting because it's very hard to tell a supercharged one from a non-supercharged one yeah like i was expecting like a hood scoop or side pipes or a spoiler or
1: something uh, but there's just a little badge next to the front doors that say supercharged yeah and that's it but other than that I mean, it's a pretty low-key car. So if you want to have a performance truck, I mean, granted, this is number 10 because I ranked them in order of what I would think would be fastest today. And so this is the actual slowest truck I think we're going to be talking about today. Um, So it's not fast by modern standards. I think a lot of modern trucks would actually probably outperform this. But for 2001, since we're talking classic vehicles here, it's quite a performance machine. The other thing I want to point out, too, is you can get that same powertrain in the Xterra,
0: which was a really cool option. So if you wanted a, uh, a vehicle that had a closed off rear end, right, you wanted some more space for your family and for your friends, the Xterra is a great option. There's that Desert Runner. Yeah, it's not a very good-looking truck. No. Um, the, the yellow interior on this one is quite bold. These, <laughs> these Nissan interiors from the early 2000s left uh, something to be desired, I think it's fair to say.
1: Yeah, I mean, the... The interior was very plasticky, not a lot of interesting things going on, but they did have some yellow seat inserts as an available option if you had the yellow exterior, so that's kind of cool. Now, before we get to
0: number nine, I want to talk about Brendan's latest purchases, because he's, he's got 11 <laughs> cars right now.
1: Yeah, he yeah, have got uh, a problem. <laughs>
0: yeah, got a little bit of an issue going on, but he's bought a couple <laughs> new ones in the last few days, last couple weeks, and we'll start off with
1: the Green Mama. The, my Civic Del Sol, yeah. We uh, we actually, I just brought that to the office today, so Tommy got to lay eyes on it before himself for the first time, and I think we will have a video coming out very soon on TFL Classics' YouTube channel if you wanted to actually see it and see what we what he thinks of it.
0: And per usual, Brendan refuses to buy a car that has paint on it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah most of my cars do have some paint <laughs> issues, don't they? But that's how I get them so cheap. Gen- my general rule is... I do not spend more than five grand on a car, and I rarely spend above three grand on a car. So they're usually you know a little on the rougher side and have some things going on with them. Well, with this del
0: Sol, you wouldn't even spend over two grand on a car. so this no. thing, but it, it's rough. So let's talk about some of the issues. Clear coat. Do the locks work? Nope.
1: Do the uh, um, windows work? one of them does what about the cool rear window that goes down nope that's the that's the coolest part the one window you'd want to work and it doesn't work does the radio work nope <laughs> does it have all the buttons attached no it's missing an hVAC blower uh knob so you can't determine how much air blows out of the hVAC <laughs> and um, uh, does the key work sometimes <laughs> it did it did give us some fits while we were trying to uh, get it started while we were filming but we eventually got it working
0: i will say once it was working once it was up and running it's an actual peach to drive this little car it's really fun so this is the si model with uh, the d-series engine 125 horsepower and the
1: little VTEC engine rips pretty good yeah it's a pretty impressive little car and keep in mind the del sol is basically a civic on the front end so you have reliability there but they decided to make it like a target top so you can take the entire like roof section off and then you can roll down the back window to give you a near convertible like experience in a front wheel drive economy car. It's a mullet party in the front. No business in the
0: front party in the back. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and I will say like the, the, the transmission is really tight little five speed. The steering is good. Uh, it's a fun car for just a few thousand dollars. So Del Sol is definitely worth a look. And we'll talk about your other hoopties you recently bought here in
1: a sec. But what's
0: number nine on the performance truck list?
1: So number nine is something that's probably the oldest one on our list, going to the Little Red Express. Now, these were only made for two years, 1978 and 1979. And these were based off of the Dodge D-Series trucks. But I think they gave it quite a few things to spice it up. We should clarify, Lil... Oh, yeah. L- not little. It's Lil Red Express. <laughs> L-I-L. <laughs> so um, red paint,
0: step side uh, bed, fake wood, stacks. It's got genuine stacks at the back and gold pinstriping. One of the wildest factory-looking trucks ever made.
1: Yeah, and I think the thing that stands out to me is those dual stacked exhausts. I mean, that's kind of like a trend thing that took off you know, a few years ago that a lot of people were doing these stacked exhausts, but they did this in the late 70s on their D-Series truck from the factory, giving you stacked exhausts. And it's it's a really interesting story because this is back when, you know, the um, emissions was really strangling a lot of the cars coming out back then. And Dodge happened to find a little loophole that found that if you were to build a truck that weighed over 6,000 pounds, you didn't have to put catalytic converters on it. Well, it probably has a GVW of
0: over 6. It would be my bet. But that's yeah. impressive. Very impressive. So they gave it the stacks, which was just ridiculous. I mean, it looks like something someone custom-made for a movie, but Dodge sold it that way brand new. Now, um, the engine, it's a modified Police 360 V8. Three-speed automatic, but you got to consider this was from an era when most trucks were producing like 140, 150, 160
1: horsepower. If that, yeah. Yeah, and what did this guy make? So this guy made 225 horsepower, which in today's standards doesn't sound like much, but this was a screaming truck back in the day. I mean, they were comparing it to, you know, the Corvette's. It was almost, it was like just almost as fast as a brand new Corvette back in 1978. And this thing could do a zero, I'm sorry, a quarter mile in 15 seconds. That's pretty awesome. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think it's really cool. They're very expensive. So um, the Dodge D3 trucks from the Sierra, you owned one. Remember, I remember yep, If you recall. A slant six. Yeah. They're like six to 10 grand. These little red expresses though are thirty, forty, fifty thousand $50,000 in good condition. So you really have to pay in order to buy one of these trucks, two wheel drive only. So it's not a uh, off-road truck, but it was kind of the, the first attempt at making like a performance street truck, which I think is very cool.
1: Yeah, and the other thing that to know as well is there is a difference between 1978 and 1979. So they kind of caught on to what Dodge was doing, the EPA did, and they pretty much forced them to put catalytic converters on it for the 1979 model. Oh there. no! Yeah, so I think they rated them the same as far as horsepower goes on paper, but I think the performance was maybe not quite as good as the 78. So I think 78 is probably the desirable year to get.
0: And you got to consider this is from the era when cats just like, nowadays we have high-flow cats that are very efficient and don't suck up hardly any power from the engine. But this is from the era where you got these big, chonky things that just absolutely strangled performance. Absolutely. For sure. But very good choice, Brendan. One of the first and one of the most iconic performance trucks. Now, i got to ask. What game did you play in Gran Turismo this morning?
1: Uh, Well, I raced the Genesis G70, actually. And I did on the, uh, I think it's called the St. Croix Raceway out in France. Okay. But yeah, so. 30 minutes? 30 minutes, yeah. I did an endurance race with the Genesis G70. It's actually, I've never driven the Genesis G70, so it was nice to drive it in virtual form. Was it good? Yeah, it was fun. Do you have any cars you really dislike in virtual form? in virtual form. Well, they have all these Nissan Sylvias mm-hmm. and there's like eight of them and they all look exactly the same. <laughs> and I don't understand why.
0: There's like the like the type K and the type D, right? And all these yeah. like
1: yeah. I just I don't like I get that the creator of the game is from Japan. So they're really into Japanese vehicles. But sometimes it's just a little bit do you know that right? car came to the States as a 240 SX?
0: Yeah. The Sylvia? Except we had to have pop-up headlights. Right. And the JDM one doesn't, which is
1: I think it looks better as a Japanese form. Well, sure. I just I don't think we need all of the variations of it. You don't like, need every Sylvia. No, like give me a different car instead. We don't need three variations or four variations of the same car.
0: Are there any cars you wish it had the game had that you don't have in the game? I bet they have a Del Sol. They don't. There's no Del There's Sol. There's no Del Sol. Wow. That's it,
1: right there. There needs to be a Del Sol in that game.
0: Gran Turismo 4 had a Del Sol. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Remember that distinctly. What about a Mini? Yeah, they only have a 2006 Cooper S. Well, your car. That's, yeah. I know, it's car. interesting. But that's the only one they have. They don't have the coupe. They don't have the Roadster. They don't have the JCW. They don't have any of the GPs or the Countrymen, mm. any of it. What about like American Muscle? Yeah, I mean they have some modern stuff, but they don't like. There's no fourth gen Camaros. There's no third gen Camaros. They have some like modern stuff, and they have like the '60s stuff. Okay. And that's it. They don't really have any of the good stuff from like the '80s and '90s and early 2000s. So you want
0: to see some more iconic Americana, some more diversity in? Is it eight Grand Turismo eight? You're playing. Uh, seven. Are,
1: seven. Okay. Grand Turismo seven. Yep. Interesting. Yeah, I would like to see that a little. Diversify a little bit. We've got a ton of Japanese cars in there, which is cool. But get some more American, you know, semi-modern classics going on in there, as well as some European stuff, too, would be cool.
0: Okay, there you go. For all the folks working at Gran Turismo, listening to the podcast, you heard Brendan's profound opinion. I just hope there's one. No, number eight. (laughs) Coming from Japan, of all places, the Toyota Tacoma X-Runner. So based on the second-generation Tacoma, but this was another attempt, arguably Toyota's first
1: attempt, at an on-road sport truck. Yeah, so the, t- the second-gen Tacoma was made from 05 to 2015. And in this particular truck, they had the 1G RFE 4-liter V6. And it had 245 horsepower and 282 pound-feet of torque via a six-speed manual but they made the interesting decision to make it rear-wheel drive only.
0: Because this was intended to be a performance-going road truck. So the suspension is actually lowered a little bit. It's got uh, some X-bracing on the suspension
1: to firm it up. How much lower is it than a standard truck? Yeah, it's about two inches lower than a standard truck. And not only that, but they gave it some ground effects going on there too to give it that lowered stance look, as well as a hood scoop, some driving lights, and, and some sportier looking wheels and tires.
0: 315 final drive gear ratio, by the way. So it did accelerate like stink back in the day. Um, and you could also option, it with the Toyota dealer installed supercharger that upped it to 300 horsepower.
1: I bet there's not many of those out there, and that would probably be the one that. I would get. Those are pretty cool actually.
0: I think it's a really cool truck. I've got a buddy that has one. Now the usefulness in Colorado is pretty limited because of its two wheel drive only and low suspension. There's also a big alloy wheels and this really crazy side skirt setup and rear bumper setup that made it super unpractical for work, but very cool to look at. But I like that Toyota was kind of embracing the old school mini truck appearance with the X X runner. Um, Yeah, I like that. I think it's a really good choice.
1: Yeah. And these were discontinued in 2013. So they didn't live out the entire second generation of the Tacoma. So they did make this actually, unlike a lot of the trucks on our list that we're going to talk about today, where they were like one year, two year or a few year options. They made this for quite a long time and they sold roughly 3000 of them every year. So they're not as common as your typical Tacoma, but I'd say of the stuff on this list, it's probably going to be one of the easier ones to find.
0: For sure. Now, number seven on the list is an icon in the performance SUV and truck market. We're talking about the GMC Cyclone slash GMC Typhoon, which was General Motors' attempt at building one of the most
1: incredible performing trucks of all time. Yeah, and as far as the Cyclone goes, they only made 2,995 of them in 1991, and then oddly enough, in 1992, they made three of them. (laughs) So if you have a a 1992 Cyclone, boy, you have one of the rarest vehicles out on the road today. (laughs) That's
0: pretty funny. Now, this was the fastest production truck ever at the time, uh, based on the S10 platform. So if you got the uh, the truck, it was gonna be an S10. If you got the SUV, it'd be essentially the small blazer. But this of course was the car known for beating Ferraris back in the day. Uh, 4.3 liter turbo six cylinder with 280 horsepower in the super early 90s and 350
1: pound feet of torque. Yeah, that's quite a screaming performer. I mean, they did this featuring a Mitsubishi turbo and a Garrett intercooler. The only unfortunate thing I think about these is they were all four-speed automatics.
0: But it did send all the power to all four wheels via a transfer case with a 35% front and 65%
1: rear uh, uh, torque split. Yeah, and did you know, Tommy, that this is actually the first production truck to have four-wheel anti-lock brakes, it took us until 1991 to do that.
0: Yeah, and then it took, like, another 10 years for another truck to have it, I'm sure, or something. It was a <laughs> right. thing back in the day. Like, a lot of truck manufacturers, to save money, I can assume was the only reason, but they would option their trucks with anti-lock brakes put only on the back. So, like, we had an 8990 um, F350 that did this. It had rear anti-lock, the idea being that there was no weight in the back usually. So, if you hit the brake too hard, the rear brakes would lock up first, which is true... But that's pretty skimpy. Just put it on all four wheels. Right. You know? Silly. Absolutely nuts. But let's go back to the Cyclone because we're talking a zero to 60 time in 4.3 seconds, quarter mile time in the mid 13s. And that was from an era, you know post-emissions when everything was absolutely strangled in terms of horsepower. We had like the the second generation tra- Challengers, right? The Mustang Twos and the early Fox bodies that were making like 180 horsepower through their uh, naturally aspirated V8s. And then in the Challenger, they even had little four cylinders. But um, this thing was an absolute beast and uh, yeah, they famously raced it against a Ferrari, right, current
1: driver? Yeah, they did. And I think it beat it. I, I think mean, it, it was, did. Yeah, it was a pretty interesting race, actually, that they really showed just how fast this truck was. And I think that kind of started its lore, to be honest with you, of like how popular it would become, because it was this tiny little truck that spanked a Ferrari that was over twice its value. Um, At least in a straight line. Well, yeah. I yeah. think when they started, <laughs> the to turns. Do, they started to do it around the track, it wasn't... It wasn't quite keeping up with it, but um, this was actually the predecessor to the Typhoon. So the Typhoon replaced it uh, and was made for 92 and 93. And you know that Typhoon, the reason why I am super aware of the Typhoon is because we recently were doing videos on my Jeep Grand Cherokee 5.9 Limited where we called it the world's fastest truck in 1998. And everybody seemed to think that we forgot about the GMC Typhoon, but we didn't. It's just it was not made in 1998.
0: That's right. So the Typhoon was faster than the G, than the Jeep, but it, it was discontinued much before the Jeep came onto the market. Um,
1: typhoons are really really cool as well. Uh, would you get the truck or the SUV version? I would probably get the SUV version. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a truck is cool, but are you really going to use a Cyclone no, as a truck? Probably not. Like like. W- <laughs> So essentially, what you have sitting behind you is unusable space, because the last thing you want to do is dent and ding that bed up, because it's such a cool, rare truck. But this does remind me of the vehicle that I did recently purchase.
0: Yes. Yes. Brenton just bought something pretty special.
1: Yeah. I just bought a 1987 Chevy Blazer S10. Wow. So based on the same platform as that Typhoon, it's a two-door, just like the Typhoon was. All wheel drive, just like the Typhoon was. Well, sort of.
0: Yeah, Well, not, mine's not quite four the four, same.
1: Yeah, all wheel drive. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, and I'm pretty excited about it.
0: Also, turbocharged.
1: No, <laughs> no, it's <laughs> just a standard worth V6. Thirty-five,
0: forty, fifty thousand dollars.
1: Uh, no. Yeah, maybe maybe ten percent of that. <laughs> maybe.
0: <laughs> so why did you buy this S10 Blazer?
1: Well, I have the first gen Explorer that I love and have been. Actually dailying for a few months now and it's been great to me, but I wanted to find its true competitor. And I saw this one sitting at the auction and it's literally like a spinning image of my explorer because the clear coat is all peeled off of it, just like my explorer. It's got a little rust on the rocker panels, just my like my explorer. Well, wow, your explorer has no rocker panel well, on one side, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and but the interior is quite nice. It's only got one hundred and three thousand miles on it. That's low miles. Yeah, very low miles. So I'm pretty excited about it. Which one do you think you're gonna like more, the Chevy or the Ford? Well, considering the Ford is a stick, I think I might prefer driving the Ford. Okay. But we'll see. I haven't. I, I've only driven it around a parking lot. Right. Blazer. So I don't know yet. I could love that blazer. I don't, it I've could be liked the, the best they look. thing
0: you've ever driven. I like them too. yeah, s ten blazers are very cool little trucks. very yeah. cool and and quickly appreciating in value, by the way. Oh, yeah, okay. they were very, very cheap, but now people are like, these things are pretty cool. I like the big blocky interiors on these. Now, that was something that people didn't like about cyclones and typhoons um from peakakpulult folks I talked to that owned them and aren't like, you know, super like, ooh, you know, a mystique about them. They say like the interiors were pretty terrible. Yeah. The 80s GM interiors. But nowadays they're kind of cool because they're like all Lego-like and blocky and super chunky. So I'm excited to see what you think of that thing. And good off-road. Yours, not the ty-
1: Typhoon. Oh well, yeah. <laughs> to clarify. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited too. I think I'm going to go pick it up this weekend. And uh, yeah, maybe I'll bring it by sometime next week and we could take a look at it. Maybe we'll do some videos Comparison on Comparison but... with yeah. the Ford. Yeah, to like '90s. Keep both of them, or are you going to sell one of them? I don't know. I've got eleven cars right what now. What are so your some eleven cars?
0: Go. I don't think you have this many.
1: Yeah, I do. So I've got the Blazer. Uh huh. I've got the Explorer. Yeah. I've got the Honda Civic Del Sol. Oh no. I've got. Collectively, those cars are worth about 10k. Yeah. All three of them. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. I've got my Baja Bug. Yeah. Uh, I have an Audi. An Audi High yeah, an Roller Audi, over an here. An Audi A4. I mean, it's an 06. It's okay. That, yeah. um, I have two Mini Coopers.
0: Oh, my goodness. <laughs> we have the same number of Mini Coopers right now. Yep.
1: I've got my GMC Yukon. I've got a Pontiac Vibe. And then yeah. I've got uh, that convertible Mustang. That's, I mean, it's technically my wife's. But then I also have that... Uh, Ford Edge, the 2019 Ford Edge. Oh, wow. That is technically mine, because I, I, I'm the one that took the loan out on it. Wow. So I do have 11 cars. Oh I keep track at all times. And usually when I exceed about nine, I start going, okay, some need to go. Which one has the chicken? Which one has the chicken? Yeah, so, so Brendan um, has this thing where oh. he puts a chicken on the cheapest car. The Explorer. The Explorer still has the, the chicken. The Explorer still has the chicken, because it, it was, when I bought it, the cheapest car, because I bought it for... About a thousand bucks. Now, Brendan does this thing where he also lists the
0: ranks the cars, yes. from most interesting to least interesting. Well,
1: it's it's the, I rank them from the ones that I enjoy the most, okay, to the ones that I enjoy the least, and the ones that I enjoy the least tend to get sold. So, which one do you enjoy the most? My GMC Yukon. Yeah. That's... Even though I maybe it's because I haven't been able to drive it in a while. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's still very broken, which I got an update as to what's going on with it, by the way. So
0: you brought it to a mechanic. Yes. This is a 2003? Yeah, Yeah.
1: GMC Yukon. 8.1. Yep. It's the 2500, the heavy-duty version. And it blew up on Brendan during a road trip in a catastrophic way. Yep. And so I brought it to a reputable mechanic out here in Colorado that I know very well. And he said that the four-wheel drive selector is not working properly. And so it's stuck between two-wheel drive and four-wheel drive right now. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. And so I just ordered that part. It was 120 bucks online. Got it on its way. It should hopefully be the mechanic next that's week. That's it?
0: That's all that's wrong with well, it? Well,
1: he said that's a starting point. He's like... Once we put it in and it can properly select four-wheel drive or two-wheel drive, (laughs) then we'll know if any other further damage has been done. Is it like a switch panel is broken or is it like a little actuator? It's like the little actuator that's on the side of the transfer case. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you're going to put that in and then you'll know if anything else is broken. Exactly.
0: Didn't they just put a new transfer case in it?
1: Yeah. And the guy was like, I don't understand why they put, he's like, they could have just put your working switch on it. But they didn't. They put this old one on there that doesn't work. And so now I'm having to buy a new one. Do we
0: know if your front diff is still busted? Don't know. Okay.
1: We won't know until we get that part in.
0: Okay, so that's first. Yes. Gotcha. Well, fingers crossed. So that's your favorite, is the broken
1: Yukon. Yes. What is your least favorite? The Audi. The Audi. Yeah, I'm giving up on it. I um, Yeah, I've reached my end with that one. I've done (laughs) a ton of repairs to it, and now it's time to pass it on to the next owner to continue fixing it.
0: Brendan bought an Audi where he couldn't open the hood because the, the hood pop broke.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, we had to take <laughs> apart the entire, like, inside of the passenger footwell to get the hood pop because I guess there's some sort of hidden hood latch there to get it just to open. <laughs> My mechanic said, though, he's like, yeah, I did all of that, and I got it to open, and then I put it back together... And then I found out that, like, the hood props just slowly close over time, and it closed on him when he wasn't looking, so he had to then go take it all back oh, apart. Oh, no. And pull it
0: back up and again. Did you put a new cable in it for the other yeah. side? Yeah.
1: So now the next owner will be able to enjoy having a working hood latch, because I put in a brand new cable.
0: When you when you open that hood for the first time, was it like, wow, <laughs> incredible underneath <laughs> yeah,
1: there? It was a relief. Well, actually, it does look pretty good underneath the hood. Um but that's also because we power washed it because it was caked in oil from oh, the no. oil cooler leaking. But now that it's got a new oil cooler, it's not leaking any oil anymore. That's good. Yeah, it's a non-leaking 2006 Audi. You think someone cut the original cable? So you the, couldn't
0: open the hood to see the oil um, everywhere?
1: Uh, I doubt it. It was properly broken. It was like broken in a weird spot to okay, get Okay, gotcha. So, yeah. yeah.
0: All right, so next truck on the list is a Tacoma. Not so new as the one we were looking at earlier, but rather the '92 through '98 Tacoma, um, which Toyota offered, and they also did this on the slightly later ones too for a little bit. Uh, Toyota offered a
1: supercharger for the
0: 3.4 liter V6. Yeah.
1: Well, I don't know, Tommy. It's it's we've been talking for a while. Do we do we need to take a break? Um, I, sure, we can take we, an ad break. Yeah. Uh, all right. So we're we're going to get into Tacoma as soon as we get back. So it's a little teaser for you, <laughs> but. We'll be right back. American Giant makes the durable, comfortable spring closet staples you need for work, the gym, and even happy hour. Made in America. Designed to last a lifetime. Get 20% off your first order at
0: American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20.
1: All right, and we're back. And if you are still watching slash listening, thanks for watching the ad. Yeah, that's right. We have no control
0: over what you just listened to. So if it was an interesting ad, we'll take credit for it. If it was
1: terrible... Definitely not our fault. <laughs> yeah, yeah. if you're hearing some political ads, I apologize. Yeah, we, we have no control to, over the yeah, ads. We, we didn't choose those. So, But anyways, so we're, we were talking about the Toyota Tacoma from 1992 to 1998, where they offered a TRD supercharger that you could throw onto the 3.4-liter V6. Now, this was only available for two years, 1997 and 1998, and it upped the horsepower from 190... I'm sorry, it upped it from... Yeah, 190 horsepower to 220 horsepower. No, no. Am doing, I reading you're, this you're, doing, wrong? you're
0: not having a good day. No, it's, I think I wrote this wrong. Okay, well, it upped the power from 190 to 220. Yeah. And it upped the torque from 260 to 265.
1: That can't be right.
0: Is that what you were going for?
1: <laughs> That's what I was saying.
0: <laughs> well, just keep talking about it. I'll look it up.
1: Yeah, anyways, this could be option with a five-speed manual and 4x4. Uh the thing that I think is interesting is we actually featured one of these on TFL or at least Andre did on the TFL truck channel and it had over 600,000 miles on it. And we're talking a forced induction 3.4 liter V6 that had over 600,000 miles on it. Pretty impressive. So what's the numbers that you actually found there, Tommy?
0: Um, It's, they're all over the board, but basically mid 200 horsepower is kind of what it does.
1: So 220 might've been correct.
0: Yeah, that sounds right. But you can easily tune them up to like closer to 300. It's looking like, and I think it was a Magnuson was a manufacturer that made that supercharger. Um, About six PSI, depending on the year, right? But um, pretty cool little setup here. So once again, Tacoma, not a very high-performance setup uh, in stock form. But by adding the supercharger, you're really jumping up that power to a big, bigger number, made these trucks much more drivable at altitude, and made them a lot more fun.
1: Yeah, I think it's pretty cool that you could get, you know, these early trucks, these early, like, Japanese trucks, the Nissan Frontier, the Toyota Tacomas, in hot hopped-up performance versions, um, I mean do they do they still really do that today, where you can take a truck that 's normally just got a v six and then option it with a supercharger
0: no and i don 't remember I think that the supercharger was a dealer installed option if I recall. Um, and I also think you could get that same setup on the Tundra. So there was oh, also nice. a dealer-installed Tundra supercharger you could do, I
1: think. Or do they call it the T100 back then, maybe?
0: No, no. It, this was, like, late, much later. Okay. The, gotcha. Yeah, much later in the, uh, the, the, the 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 next Tundra. Like, 2000 and whatever. That was 4, 5, 6. Uh, that one I think you could get with a dealer-installed supercharger, too. Um, and then we also talked about the supercharger you could get on the next Tacoma as well from, like, the mid-2000s. But, yeah, I mean... Um, pretty good longevity too, right? Like you're talking about a part that Toyota stood behind and this guy put over 600,000 miles on his, Yeah. Right? So it's clearly is a, it's not going to destroy the longevity of your engine, at least not by much.
1: Yeah, and I just think that's really interesting too that the manufacturers were trusting these dealers so much that they were like, Sure, we'll sell you this supercharger kit, and you can install it yourself, and we will still back it with a factory warranty. It's
0: pretty simple, actually, the install. I've got a Is friend, it? he's got a, um, a third gen Full 4Runner, also a 3.4 V6, that he put the Toyota supercharger on, and he can install and um, take it off in 90 minutes. Really, He's got it down that fast. Yeah, wow. he's done it a bunch of times. That's impressive. To Because um, he's upgrading the engine and all this kind of thing. So he's, he's had it on and off several times, and he can pull it and, and stick it back on in 90 minutes, which That's is pretty cool. cool. Yeah. Now, if you want something with a little bit more V8 motor under the hood, this is an interesting truck, and one I completely forgot existed. We're talking
1: about the Silverado SS. Yeah, so this replaced... The, if you remember like the GMT 400 platform had the 454 big block version of their truck. And this was kind of that second gen where they took the GMT 800 platform that was built from 99 till 2007 and put in a hopped up six liter V8 with 345 horsepower and 380 pound feet of torque. It's really good. Yeah, really
0: good for the era. Um, Good looking truck too, I'd like to point out. Really good design. 03 through 07, as you mentioned, four-speed automatic, same drivetrain essentially used in the Escalade and the Yukon Denali. Um, now, I want to say that this was like a 1500 truck, right? So yeah. you could get like the six liters in some of the larger trucks, but you could get it also in the 1500 as, a, as an SS Silverado.
1: Yeah, and these not only did that, but they had four-wheel disc brakes and a 410 final drive gear ratio, so pretty good performer. There was also the availability of the Z60 Performance Suspension if you nice. wanted to
0: tighten it up a little bit. And in 2006, there was a special edition called the Intimidator SS.
1: Yeah, yeah. I've even got an image in there if you wanted to pull that up. Yeah, but let's yeah. see. This was to honor Dale Earnhardt, who had, uh, I think at this point, since passed. But it was only available in black, and then it came with several other like minor appearances. It was mostly kind of an appearance package, um, but it did have embroidered headrests and you know, Intimidator badging on the side. So I think it's kind of cool.
0: I think it's pretty cool too. Yeah, these are really good looking trucks. I love this generation of Silverado. Very long lived, very reliable. That six liter they've used in everything for so many years. Um, You could also get it in, uh, I don't know if you talked about this, but two wheel drive or four wheel drive, right? Yeah. And um, the, the, the truck that I think is also just as cool, which is not quite as well remembered or maybe more remembered
1: was the Trailblazer SS. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do remember the Trailblazer SS. Those are pretty cool. And, you know, not only – so you could get the Trailblazer SS, but do you know that that came under another manufacturer as well? The Saab. Yes, they made a Saab version of it that was called – what was it? Wasn't it the 97X? Arrow? 97X Arrow. That's right. Yeah, and it also it was basically a Chevy Trailblazer SS underneath. So we're talking a V8 powered Saab SUV.
0: Yeah. And
1: there you go. Kind of a
0: similar design with these like lower front intakes. Good looking little SUV. Also pretty rare and getting pretty expensive now. But uh, I like these a lot. I think they were really cool. I just talked to I don't know why I'm having all those conversations, but the two <laughs> people I talked to this past week, one of the other guys was PR manager for Saab. In the early 2000s. Really? Yeah. Nice. So he was in charge of convincing people that the um, Subaru, what was that thing? The 9.2? The 9.2X. The 9.2X, when that launched, his job was convincing the public that it was better than the Subaru. Oh
1: my gosh, that, and that's a tough job. Here's how he
0: did it because the 9.2X was basically just an Impreza. Yeah. But the 9.2X had a better interior. So he pushed the interior of the 9.2X, it was more modern, more progressive. And then in year two, the Subaru got the Saab interior. (laughs) It's like, well, what am I going to do?
1: Well, the thing that I do like about the 9.2X is that it kind of takes a car that is very boy racer-ish, right, which is a Subaru WRX, and it kind of softens it a little bit. So it's a little more understated. So you can kind of have that performance, fun, hot hatchback but not feel quite as embarrassed going down the road.
0: But it really was just a Subaru underneath. Yeah. I mean, it was, there's no mistaking that that is a Subaru platform. For sure. Interesting thing he
1: was saying, though, is
0: like, um, if you looked at the other sobs of the era, 93, 95, um, those sobs, right, uh, they were all engineered in Sweden. So even though it was owned by GM, you know, since the, like, ninety ninety one, I think, um, all those cars were engineered in Sweden, and Jim hated it. Because Saab spent such a ridiculous amount of money taking what should have been a simple, like, slap some new badges on an Opel and turned it into, like, we're changing the suspension and the engines and the platform and the interior and the infotainment. I mean, they changed everything on those cars. Yeah. Um, except for the 97X. <laughs> Which, they're, they're a big contribution, and the, the, I guess the Swedes hated the 97X. Really? Because all they could change was suspension. They changed the suspension a little bit, and then they took the ignition key, and they put it in the middle. Oh, my gosh. But uh, the 97X. They're so weird with that. I, I re- know.
1: You know, at, at the auction this week, there was a Saab 900 turbo convertible. Oh! Uh. And uh, that was the weirdest thing to me. So not only is the, the key in that center, but the, the window switches are, like, reversed. I kept pushing all the windows. I'm like, none of the windows work. So I pulled them the way that you would think would mm-hmm. go up, and they actually went down. So I was like, oh, it's just... Was it a nice car? Uh, it had a few issues. It Automatic? Went... No, it was a manual. Oh. But it went for more than I was willing to spend. I so. owned that car. Own? I owned. Oh, owned that car. Okay. A yeah?
0: 900 turbo convertible.
1: Those are cool. It was not cool. No? It was you actually like one like of the worst
0: cars. It, probably the worst car I've ever owned. Wow. I just didn't like it the at all. The worst. Yeah, it was a, You've like... you owned a lot of cars. It was like one owner or one family owned only 100,000 miles, and the, the, it was bought by this lady who kept meticulous records. I had every record from 0 to 97,000 miles. She passed away, and then her daughter inherited it and drove it from ninety-seven to 100,000. But she just, like, it was 3,000 miles over the course of, like, 10 years, and everything was just crusty and old. And It was an automatic, too, so the engine ran beautifully, and the transmission worked really well, but it was a three-speed auto. Oh, man. So you, like, put your foot into it, the engine would go, uh, and then you wait for the turbo to spool, and it go, uh, and then you get like five seconds of zoom, and then it go, uh, and then you have to wait all over for the turbo to spool again. Um, yeah. You
1: need to own that car again, or at least drive that car again in manual In the form. manual.
0: Yeah, here is the interior of the 97X, and sure enough... Look at that little key placement in the middle. Wow! They had some really, they had a lot of innovations in the 900, though. Yeah. The wraparound windshield, the door sill, so you didn't get your pants dirty. You couldn't pull the key out of these cars unless they were reverse. So you, um, did oh. you figure that out? That's that, that's that's when. No, because I
1: usually just leave the key in the. Ignition yeah, you got to go to the the auction, reverse to pull yeah.
0: the key out of there. Interesting. Okay. Yeah.
1: So lots of innovation in those 900s. Well, and as you guys know, or as I said earlier, we are writing this list. So getting back to it based on what I think is going to be the fastest today. So we are down to number four, and I came up with the El Camino SS, which, you know, to some people may not seem like a truck, but it's kind of like the whole conversation, is a hot dog a sandwich? Absolutely not. It's a hot dog. (laughs) Well, is the El Camino a truck? Yes, it's got a bed. Okay. So How that could a, a hot
0: dog be a sandwich? I
1: don't That's I don't know. There's the argument out there, is the hot dog a sandwich? I don't know the answer, but... If
0: you are listening to this podcast and you think a hot dog is a sandwich, you may leave. My <laughs> oh, open <no>. invitation to <laughs> oh, leave. Oh, no,
1: don't tell our 10 <laughs> viewers to leave. We need all of them. <laughs> <laughs> that is a terrible, terrible thing, is a hot dog a sandwich.
0: Do you think a hot dog is a sandwich? Well, I mean... Oh my so goodness, I, Brendan!
1: I don't think so, but I will for I will play devil's advocate here. So <laughs> they say, what is a sandwich? It's two pieces of bread with a thing in the middle. And what is a hot dog? One piece of bread with the thing in the middle. Yeah, but well, okay, that is true. I guess it is. It is a bread that's like cut down the middle. I have just so then if you have if if your hot dog bun happens to get cut all the way in half, like it gets cut all the way through, then is it no longer a hot dog?
0: No, it's a broken sandwich. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my gosh! Okay,
0: <laughs> I just solved thirty years of debates. In there we go. Ten seconds. <laughs> so you have chosen the El Camino SS, the sixty-eight through seventy-two specifically. You really yeah. narrowed it down.
1: Yeah, there were there were. I mean, there were a few generations of the El Camino SS, but I think that the third generation El Camino uh, has the best one. It was. I mean, it was also available on the fourth and the fifth gens, but. It, Emissions started to take place, and they just they weren't as fast, and they weren't as cool, in my opinion. I just don't like these cars. No? I'm just going to
0: put it out there and say it. Because the people that drive these cars have completely ruined them for me. I just, oh. like, every owner I meet of an El Camino SS is just super unfriendly, wears, like, the white New Balances with the jean shorts, and goes on about how his is one <laughs> of 2,800 painted in Italy red with the console shit. I mean, it's just like... And they don't like the Chevelles very much.
1: Yeah, I mean, I... Here's the thing. The Chevelles are cool, but for the amount of money that you would spend getting one, I just don't think it's worth it. Whereas will, the El Caminos are a lot less valuable than the they
0: Chevelles. They are they're really cool cars, though, because you had a big open bed, but with a car frame, essentially, um, 396 V8 in 68 and 69 with either 350 or 375 horse, but you could also opt this with the enormous 454 Big Lock V8.
1: Yeah, and they were saying that when that came out, I think it was 1970, uh, that this thing had... 450 horsepower and would do the quarter mile in less than 40 seconds (laughs) 14 seconds (laughs) gosh i'm off today tommy brendan you could could walk the quarter
0: mile in about 40 (laughs) seconds maybe (laughs) Um, now in 72 they switched the measuring uh to net horsepower which is correct
1: i think they were a little optimistic in this era a little do you see what it went down to 240. 240 <laughs> horsepower. Well, so the 454 went down to 270. So from 450 to 270, just I, by measuring the horsepower differently. I bet there was
0: some emission stuff that got added in 72 as well. I would yeah. be surprised if there weren't. But yeah, I see what you're saying. But like you'd hear like, my 1957 DeSoto Fury makes... Four thousand horsepower and nine hundred pound feet of torque. I'm like it does not, but um, yeah, there was there was some fudging going on in the day. But even still, rear wheel drive, great burnout machine. You could get three speed, four speeds, or four speed autos. Really
1: uh, impressive performing cars. Yeah, I think they're pretty cool, and you know, it's. I don't think it's a truck. Why not? Because it has a bed. Yeah, but I don't know. It's just it's a car with a bed. It's it's a Ute. Is, is what the Australians is. would call it. Yeah, it's a, it's a Ute. But why can't you call it a truck? Because I feel like a truck should be sitting up a little bit higher, built for a little more utility. Yeah, but than is, the, this is is the
0: Toyota Tacoma X Runner a truck? See, that's low. That's not true. much utility.
1: That's true. That's tough. It's I mean, tough. It's, it's based a on one. a truck, but I think they untruckified it. So it's a car. It's it's <laughs> it's a hybrid. It's a hot dog. <laughs> No, it's a sandwich. They made a sandwich.
0: (laughs) That's right. Well, guys, it's time to take another break. So enjoy the commercial we did not choose. And there you go. I did not know Arby's was making a McChicken sandwich. (laughs) Interesting. Yeah. The
1: McChicken, the new McChicken Arby's the sandwich, the McChicken Double Whopper yeah. from Arby's, very interesting. I well, hope that en- they decided to debut it on our podcast. <laughs> I
0: hope you enjoyed the ad, whatever it was, um, and thank you for listening to the TFL Classics podcast. And we're down to the top three performance trucks that Brendan, without you know a ton of research, but is pretty convinced, is in order from slowest to fastest.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was basing it off of mostly horsepower and. You know, kind of weight, things like that. And I think the next one... Ford um, Lightning. Yeah, the Ford SVT Lightning. So uh, if you're saying Ford Lightning, people are going to confuse it with the new Lightning. Right. And I think that is kind of confusing, to be honest with you. Which is way
0: faster than the old one, for the record. (laughs) Yeah,
1: well we're talking trucks that pe- most people can afford today right so the SVT lightning is based on the 10th generation f series truck which was made from 97 to 2004 there was a lightning on the 9th generation f series truck but did you know that thing only had 9 9- or 240 horsepower um, yeah, but that was <laughs> net horsepower, maybe. <laughs> maybe it was
0: yeah, 800 gross. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, uh, if this
1: was measured in 68. It would have been a thousand <laughs> horsepower truck.
0: <laughs> That's exactly right, Brendan. No, I like the ninth gens, but they don't quite have the same panache as the tenths because these were built from 99 through 04 with a supercharger. So they were all regular cabs, right?
1: Yeah, they, oh, they were all goodness. regular cabs. They were all. Uh, flare side as well. So they had kind of that flare side rear end on the back, and they were all rear wheel drive only. They were even lowered an inch. Yeah, step side design. Step side. If that's you will. Is, you got the little side. step. Nice blurry picture. Well, do you know what this picture is? This is it from, from a movie? Yes. What movies? This from? is from the Fast and the Furious. There was a Lightning in the Fast there and the Furious? Yeah, it was their parts delivery truck in the very first fast and the furious movie. (laughs) so before they went and ruined it yeah this their little parts store that brian o'connor same last name as me uh related actually yeah (laughs) he used that as his delivery truck i think that's pretty cool i think we should get a lightning as a delivery truck that would be pretty cool rear wheel drive as you
0: mentioned lowered suspension but the big news was the engine with that 5.4 triton um eaten supercharged with 360 horsepower
1: yeah And uh, all rated through a four-speed automatic. These would do zero to 60 in about 5.2 seconds. And they even had an Eaton Detroit locking rear differential.
0: Very cool. They got a little bit more powerful as the years went on, by the way. And every single one you see now has been modified within an inch of its life. But they're getting pretty sought after. Finding one for under twenty dollars for 25000 pretty tricky. And once again, the evolution of the performance street truck is certainly one of the most iconic ever made. Absolutely. Um, and now for one of the least iconic
1: ever made, we've got the Chevrolet SSR. Well, and that here, this also bodes the question, is the Chevy SSR a truck? Yes, it has a bed. It's even less usable than the El Camino bed because it has a hard tonneau cover that you can't take off. Well, you could take it off with some... It's like a big trunk. (laughs) I mean, sure. Look,
0: it lifts up. Yeah. (laughs) You've got stuff placed underneath there. This is borderline truck, but I, I do think it's a truck. Um, these were very, very futuristic when they came out. I remember seeing these as a kid thinking they were just the coolest thing because GM was going a little nuts with this. But what does
1: SSR stands for? So it stands for Super Sport Roadster. Because it's a convertible. Yeah, but I don't – the Super Sport, it kind of confuses me because when these came out in 2003 – these had a 5.3 liter. They didn't go with the LS engine, which was available to them, at the, like the Corvette engine, which was available to them at the time. They went with just the standard 5.3 liter Vortec VA pumping out 300 horsepower and then gave it a four-speed automatic. You should see
0: Brendan's disgusted look. What what they they horse, 300
1: horsepower in 2003 was Mustang GT horsepower. Yeah, but this thing was heavy, too, so it only did 0 to 60 in... Like eight-ish seconds? You know, it was... It's fast enough to blow your two
0: pay off with the top down.
1: <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's that's a good image. <laughs>
0: but do not fret, Brendan, because in 05 and 06, it got a 6-liter LS2 with 390 horse and a 6-speed manual.
1: Yeah, that's the one that I would get. Because when they did that, it dropped that 0 to 60 from almost 8 seconds to almost under... Seconds. Almost under five seconds. Almost, <laughs> under, five almost seconds. under five seconds.
0: Well, it's 5.2. Yeah.
1: <laughs> That's a funny way. Very PR wave saying it.
0: <laughs> almost. The acceleration almost. <laughs> is almost under five seconds.
1: General Motors, if you're looking for a PR person, I'm your guy. But, anyways, <laughs> this was actually designed and inspired by Shetty's late 40s advanced design trucks, which I think is actually kind of cool. It's The design is polarizing. I mean, it's a convertible hardtop truck ish thing and it was pretty polarizing back in the day i think a lot of people really did lambast it when it first came out but there is a devote following behind them as well dual pipes by the way in the back and expensive yeah. these are really expensive
0: nowadays and they were pretty expensive new msrp of 42k in 04 and they only sold nine thousand in 04 but a total of 24 000 were built Um, With teak decking, is that what I read here? Yeah,
1: yeah. If you look in the bed, you see those like. If if you're looking on YouTube, you can see these like wood slats going down the bed, and that was actually teak wood. They decided to put in the bed to make it even less useful.
0: What other truck used wood in the bed other than every truck pre 1960? But what other truck from this era? Lincoln Blackwood.
1: Yes, and you just did a video on one. We did just do a video on it. I don't know if it's going to come out before this video or not, but. It's another interesting truck-ish thing that they decided to make. They decided to take the Ford F150, the same generation, the 10th gen as the F1 or SVT Lightning, and they decided let's Lincolnize it. Let's take it as much of a town car as we possibly can by making it rear-wheel drive only, getting rid of the truck bed and making it a giant trunk. In yeah. the back. And, like, the user front end of the Navigator, lots of Navigator bits and
0: bobs, and then um, nobody bought it. But if they built that truck today, enormous success. You think? Oh, huge Even success. with two-wheel drive? Uh, no, they'd have to give it four-wheel drive just for, like, cold climates. But if they built that exact truck today, if they took an F-150, gave it the front end of a Navigator and the back end of, like, a speedboat or whatever they were going after really popular.
1: You know, when I was researching for that video, I, I, I was trying to look for a natural competitor to the Lincoln Blackwood. And the closest one I could find was the Cadillac version of it. I think it was, I can't remember what it was called, but it was based off of the Avalanche. Yeah, the EXT. The yes, Escalade EXT. The Escalade EXT. Mm-hmm. Which was actually... Very successful, so, and
0: even more so if they built it. They, I'm telling you, people will spend 80 grand on a truck like that. They'd yeah. love to spend 100k if it had a badge on the front of it.
1: But here's the thing: Do they really need to? No. You got but, the GMC uh, Yukon Denali. Yeah, but you're paying right? for the
0: brand. Like your wife. Your wife wants That's that true. premium brand. You yeah. know, she wants that Lincoln badge or that Cadillac badge on the front of
1: it. So you think there needs to be a Cadillac Silverado and then a Lincoln F150 and a Lexus Tundra? Ooh, uh, yeah, I really that could do. Be think interesting.
0: So Lincoln did a model after the Blackwood called the Mark LT which yeah. wasn't as good. But yeah, if they kept kept going with it, I think it would have been a huge hit today.
1: Do you think that uh I think Nissan should do a an Infinity? Infinity Titan? No.
0: I think it's a terrible <laughs> idea. You chose the one which that definitely shouldn't happen. But um a uh, a Cadillac truck, a Lincoln truck, and a t- Lexus truck would be very popular. It might happen. I wouldn't be surprised. The Lexus truck of
1: all of them, I could see. Yeah, for sure. The Tundra, the yeah, Lexus. They should. They should do a Lexus version of call the Tundra. Call it the TX four hundred and sixty or something. Something stupid like that. Yeah, because yeah. the G X L
0: <laughs> X, Call it the Truck X four hundred and sixty. There you go. Four hundred and seventy. Um, and the number one performance truck on our list, coming at you from the fine folks at Dodge, we got the SRT
1: ten. Yeah, these I think were a really, really interesting truck and probably my favorite on the list. These are made from 2004 to 2006 and they decided to take the 8.3 liter V10 engine that they were putting in the Dodge Viper and shoehorn it inside of the Dodge Ram. And it, this, this V10 put out 500 horsepower and 525 pound-feet of torque.
0: Yeah, with lots of power, rear wheel drive, but the cool thing about this truck is unlike most other sport trucks, you could get it in two-door or four-door configuration. So if you had a FAM you want to take the kids to school sideways in smoke, you could do so with the four-door uh,
1: RAM SRT10. Yeah, and you can get 0 to 60 in 4.8 seconds. The thing, though, is the four-door, from what I was reading, only came in automatics, oh. whereas the two-door, only came in manuals. So if you wanted to row your own, you had to get the two-door. That is pretty cool, the manual transmission poking through there. Yeah, it's got to be like the longest Longest shifting rod (laughs) I've ever seen, honestly. And did you know, interesting fact that when I was researching it, that this was the most powerful truck ever made all the way up until they came out with the Ram TRX. I did not know that. Yeah, all the way up until 2021. This thing that came out in 2004 was the most powerful truck ever made. Well, horsepower, not torque. Well,
0: yeah, yeah, but still impressive. Yeah, viper power right? Um, Dodge build quality and looks, but uh, really an interesting truck from this era, and definitely one considering.
1: yeah. well, and back then, the viper, if you wanted to buy it, was about eighty thousand dollars. Yeah, if you wanted to get this, which had the same exact motor in it as the Viper, but a lot more usefulness with having a truck bed, it was only $50,000. Which today would be nothing. But back then it was like, 50000 for a truck. How could they? Yeah, I true? think it was a good deal.
0: So of all the trucks on the list, Brendan, the, the Nissan, the Toyotas, the
1: GMCs, the Ram, which one is your favorite? You know, um, I would say the Ford SVT Lightning. Yep. But... I know those 5.4s are notoriously unreliable.
0: Well, that was... Uh, but that was... I don't know if the Lightning had that
1: same version of that engine. Did it? Because it was okay. completely different.
0: But, okay, keep going. Where are you going with this stuff? I,
1: I think I would... If, if money was no object, I think I would go for the Little Red Express. The Little... The Lil... Lil, sorry, Lil Red Express. <laughs> and I would get the 1978 version because it's so cool because it was basically Dodge back in the day being the rebels and sticking their middle finger out to the man saying, Aha, I know you want to have all these emissions regulations, but we're going to find a way around it. And I just think it was a really interesting time. It is a good story. Yeah. yeah. Now, my choice,
0: you? a little bit, a little off the, the cuff here, but I would choose the Frontier. Really? Believe it The not, slowest one. The slow, well. <laughs> yeah, I just think that the supercharged Nissan was cool. This was a really good era of trucks. And they're super cheap, cheapest truck on the list by a long shot. Oh, yeah. Four-wheel drive and just, just a pretty cool little truck.
1: So you think these are actually cheaper than the X-Runners, huh? Oh, yeah. Way cheaper. Okay. Yeah.
0: Although they do hold a few thousand dollar premium over a non-supercharged Frontier. Yeah. They're still a lot cheaper.
1: Well, and unlike the X Runner, you could actually get these in four wheel drive, so So you you could do some off roading.
0: Look at these fine folks! Look how happy they are in this press photo. They're they're about to go paragliding. Yeah. Look at that in their bright yellow Frontier. They're living the dream, Brendan. That thing does look pretty rad. I want some of that dream in my life. Some of that early two thousands frosted
1: tip dream. Well, and I like that it has like the uh, the roof rack from like an Xterra. Yeah, I like that too. It makes it look a lot better.
0: And did you see the soft top? I did not know that was an option. The sliding I, soft top? I,
1: I picked that photo, and I didn't even realize that until you just pointed it out. I wonder if that's like a prototype thing or if that actually made it in production. That would be pretty, pretty cool. cool. We need to go and find gotta that truck. we got to go find that
0: truck. Well, guys, let us know what you think in the comments section. As always, it's been Tommy. And Brendan. We'll see you on the next TFL Classics podcast. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices.